Oh, hey, so this podcast is about the personal experiences and identities of the LGBTQ plus community. You might hear some words or phrases about LGBTQ plus identities that don't feel comfortable to you. Let's agree to listen with open hearts and to engage in the conversation respectfully, in context, and with no intent to harm. Enjoy the show. Hey, Kiri. That's the name of this podcast you're listening to, and that's me. I'm Kiri. And I'm Amy. And we are the two hosts of Oh Hey, Kiri. And today's episode, we're going to talk about the positive side of being queer. We talk a lot about all the hard, difficult things, but not a lot about what's great about it. Also, we're going to talk about how to engage with a partner's passion if it's not the same as your passion. And a bunch of other stuff. But first, I want to start with, it's my birthday. Happy birthday. We celebrated um, yesterday, actually Friday, October 18th. If you're counting the days, it was my birthday. But we celebrated yesterday on Saturday with a bunch of friends at our house. And we made a bunch of food and hung out and played some games. And it was super fun. And I felt great about it. I just always feel loved when people come over. And it was like mixed community. It was like friends and family and it was queer people and not queer people. And I just love when everybody can get together and everybody feels safe and included and loved. And that made me feel very loved to have everybody all together like that. Yeah, I've been really impressed at our ability to gather people together Mm -hmm. from different backgrounds and ideas and personalities and it's just awesome to have all those people come together in one place and get along. Yeah and it's older people and people our age and younger people. We had kids yesterday and just the just the the cool feeling of being like these bridge builders. Where we're bringing people together who might not ordinarily spend time together, but because they're our people and we we bring them together and then they do spend time together and they all seem to really enjoy it and learn a lot from each other and that feels very good. So for my birthday, uh, one of the things that we did besides having a bunch of people over and having a party, uh, Amy and I went shopping. That was really fun. Yeah, we love shopping anyway, but it was birthday shopping, so that meant we were kind of on the hunt for something special. And what did we get? Leather jackets. Big surprise. We got leather jackets. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of one of our favorite things to get. Uh, as you probably know, if you follow me on Twitter and you see my copious leather jacket pictures. But I got a brand new green one. It's very cool. It's like emerald green. And unfortunately, I had to pay like mostly full price for it. But then... Amy, lucky. I found one that I'd been eyeing at Express on clearance for $50. What? That is amazing. And it's pink. It's pink. So it's very cute. And yeah, it's like that powdery pink color. It's so pretty. And it looks amazing on you. Thank you. So that was my birthday. Yep, I'm 38 years old now. Woo! 
So speaking of birthdays, yeah, I've heard recently from some of our friends about different milestones that trans people like to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anniversaries and birthdays and special dates and things. Uh, for our support group, we had people over, and as we were kind of wrapping up and leaving, they were talking about uh, these special days that were coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were saying all the different birthdays they celebrate throughout the year. <laughs> And I thought that was really interesting and funny because I, I kind of do that too. Like I have my birthday, my, my body birthday, and then I celebrate my the date that I started hormones. Um, so those are kind of like my two birthdays that I celebrate. But then we heard from some of our other friends that there are a whole bunch of other events that they like to celebrate yearly. I also did a thread about this on Twitter that um, a lot of you really engaged with, but I learned so much. Like, it's not even just trans people. It's queer people in general. Like, a lot of gay and lesbian and bisexual people celebrate their coming out day. There were a couple people who celebrated, like, air quotes, celebrated days that would ordinarily be, like, really difficult. Like, when they came out and their families disowned them or or kicked them out of the house or whatever. Um, but for them, those were kind of like the first days when they were finally sort of free. And so they actually celebrate that. Um, that was super interesting. And then a lot of people said they celebrated their name change day, like first day of full time and a bunch of other things. And it just, it just got me thinking, well, you said something really interesting, Amy. You said like any excuse to celebrate any (laughs) any reason to celebrate is good enough i like to celebrate yeah celebrating is cool and that that just made me think that that made me think how true that is like there are so many things that if you think of it in the right way can be celebrated your birthday just kind of comes to you right you don't get to pick you don't have a choice on that one yeah it's still really special and really amazing and important because it's when the world got you. But there's other things in your life that you really have to fight pretty hard for. And to be able to celebrate those when you finally achieved them and when you finally got the thing that you fought so hard for, that's actually super cool. So I think that attitude of celebration among queer people, like I finally got to who I am, um, I think is really amazing. And I was so impressed and happy to learn about all the different ways that people celebrate themselves in their own lives. Yeah, because we, we tend to focus on negative aspects and finding reasons to celebrate yourself or your community. I'm just all about that. Let's be happy. We get to be who we are. So on that same note, it got us thinking about how on this podcast even and in general conversations about queerness or or being trans or how uh, cultural stigma around being in the LGBTQ plus community or religious uh, oppression or, or whatever it is. We talk about a lot of the negative, hard, difficult things about being queer, but then this conversation about celebrations and birthdays and anniversaries and milestones and stuff got us thinking like what are what are some of the cool awesome things about being queer like what's good about it even just how we started in the conversation today talking about all the different people who came together for the party for the birthday party like it was just so many different people who who normally 
probably wouldn't know each other or spend time with each other or get to know their stories. And just because of who we are and the, the, the people that are in our lives, being able to bring those people together, like that's an awesome thing about being queer is when you can bring queer and non-queer people together and have it work and have everybody have a good time and like each other and learn from each other. And that feels super special. And people can see what we've seen and get to know people yeah. that we've gotten to know. And they can, yeah, open up and realize that a lot of our experiences are similar and that at our core we're all the same and we all deserve love. Mm-hmm. On a personal level then, talking about what's good about like being trans in particular, you've told the story about how I used to be before I transitioned and how sad I was and depressed I was and kind of incomplete and unhappy and always looking at the ground and never laughing and never making any jokes. And and now I do have this like full expressive palette of Mm -hmm. emotions to work with where I was just so flat before. It was really interesting. I sat in with the LGBTQ plus family group, support group at church last week. And in the beginning, when I was introducing myself and telling a little bit about my story, I it came up that, you know, I used to be very sad and used to be very shy and introverted and quiet. <laughs> and after I finished, you know, somebody asked a question and then somebody said, can we go back for a minute to that part where you said you were introverted? Like, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> I can't even imagine you being introverted. So it's just like, Embracing who I am as a as a queer person, as a trans person, has given me a whole new life energy that I don't know. Well, no, I do know. I spent 35 years looking for it, and I didn't find it until after I understood my trans identity and embraced my trans identity. And, and so I wouldn't have that without without it. What are some other things that you love about being queer? I think I've heard this from many other queer people is there's, there's a sense of freedom. Coming out is quite possibly one of the scariest things you can ever do, especially if you've come from a certain background, like a a conservative family or a religious background. Coming out and admitting that you're different than than other people and in a way that you are expected not to be different um, can be so scary. But once you do it, there's this sense of freedom, total freedom. You have no more secrets. There's well, because everything, what's scarier than that? Now yeah. you face the scariest thing. Right, exactly. I am who I am, and I'm lovable, and this is the truth about me. There's not really anything scarier than that, than standing up to somebody who doesn't want you to be a whole person. And so I think that freedom, that sense of freedom and having nothing left to hide is probably the most amazing thing about queerness. So you are um, a person who has only recently really started to think about identity and queerness and, and using queer as an identifier. How has it made you feel? Hmm. I guess... I know we've, this is kind of redundant because we're talking a lot about community mm-hmm. on this particular episode, but 
feeling very accepted and free, similar to what you were talking about. I haven't found communities that were as open and supportive as the communities I've found in the past couple years, getting to know some of the queer community. So that feeling is just awesome. I think the community is probably the best part for me. I guess the freedom to not be locked in a box of expectations. I can love who I want. I can present how I want. And you don't question whether that's okay anymore. It's just, this is who I am. Did you find that in other communities that you were part of before queer community, that there were still some of those expectations, even if they weren't the typical like religious community or conservative community or whatever? Did you find that there were still like some of those expectations that graded on you a little bit? I do feel that way. I come from a background of somewhat conservative family. And so these weren't like active expectations, but they were underlying societal expectations. Mm -hmm. You're going to get married. You're going to have kids. You're going to date men. You're going to go to college. You're going to follow the same path that everybody else follows. And even aside from that, I had many friends that were more of a counterculture type of group of people. And every group of people seem to have their certain underlying expectations of, do I fit here? Mm -hmm. Do I fit there? Am I somewhere in between? Uh, What do I have to do to be, to have that sense of belonging? And with the queer community, I don't feel like I'm expected to be anything else but myself. Wow. And in bringing more people together, I realized a lot of those expectations were internal. Mm-hmm. And you get to kind of see, all right, I never needed to be somebody different than I was, but it took something to get me there. Mm-hmm. I, I like the analogy and the symbolism of the rainbow flag and how we use that as representation for the queer community because it's like no matter what kind of a stripe you are, you you get to be part of this. I think that that's one of my other favorite things about queer community is that I get to learn so much. I get to learn so much about identities and experiences that are not my own. And I don't know how to express how that changes you as a person when you can get out of your own head, when you can open your heart bigger than feels like it would fit inside of you. But I feel like the result is in doing that is it doesn't hurt more that the space where your heart goes just gets bigger. And, and it just gets easier and easier to love others and to love myself And to listen, if you're not already an empathetic person, I think community is the best, quickest way to develop empathy. And that's definitely a good thing.
So I think empathy is a good way to segue into our next topic that we wanted to talk about, which is about engaging with your partner's passion if it's not your own. It's a relevant topic to Amy and I because my my faith is really important to me and and continuing to keep up on that and that's less so a part of Amy's life. However, she makes makes a ton of effort to engage and understand why it's important to me. So, we wanted to talk about what the mechanism of that is and how do you do that if you're partner has an interest or a passion or a part of their identity that you don't quite understand, but you want to be supportive of it. What do you think? In my opinion, there's never going to be two people that share all of their passions and interests. Those are individual characteristics of individual people. So I guess my first suggestion would be that I don't think you need to Put the expectation on yourself to have passion just because your partner has it for Mm -hmm. a particular thing. And also maybe like the reverse of that. Don't expect your partner. Expect your partner to be exactly like you. But don't believe that that's a criticism of your passion. Right. Or an excuse to be unsupportive. I would say... In reference to spirituality in our relationship, I'm not a very spiritual person, and Kiri is more so. Kiri doesn't expect me to do certain things that I wouldn't feel comfortable doing because it's it's not a part of me. Mm-hmm. But I still make an effort to make her feel that I value this thing because it's important to her Mm -hmm. and that I still make an effort to do the things that I am comfortable doing. So I think it just takes effort from both sides to understand each other. I think a secondary part of that from my end is that even though I understand and I know that it's not a big part of your identity, I still invite you into um, things that are important to me if you want to. So it's not like saying, it's not like saying, well, if this isn't something that's important to you, then I will keep it away from you. It's more like it doesn't have to be important to you, but if you want, it could still be a neat thing to experience it with me. Yes. Another suggestion I would have in a scenario like this is that if you're feeling that there is a wall between you and your partner, that this is preventing closeness, take a look at your expectations and look into other means of sharing experiences that both of you uh, do feel comfortable and excited about. It might not be spirituality that you have in common, but there's reasons that you're together. So find those compatible parts of you and build those up so that you can maintain your closeness and grow together without the expectation of sharing every passion or interest. Mm -hmm. And I think that that comes down to clear, open communication. As hard as clear and open communication is, and we're completely acknowledging that it is difficult, 
when you talk about what your needs are to say, Amy, it's really important for me to do this thing and I want you to see me in this context. It's really important for you to see me in this context, this part of my identity. I, th I think we're vaguely talking about spirituality and church and a lot of the things that I do as, as a person who's in the church. So for me to say, it's really important to me for you to see me in these contexts and why these things are important to me, that can be really hard to express. But I think if your partner is willing to to hear that, that it's not an expectation that you have to do the things that I do. It's just that I want you to understand why this is important to me. And when your partner is willing to say, because a thing is important to you, then it has a certain level of importance attached to it for me. That's where that empathy comes in. Do you feel, we talked about me and, and my spiritual identity and how you um, meet and engage with that. Is there anything that I do similarly for you that you can think of? I'm just curious. Things, you mean things that I'm passionate about that you don't share? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, that's a toughie because... You're all around like a super supportive person, so it might be hard to tell for me if you were not interested in something in the first place. <laughs> I mean, certainly my art is one of the most important aspects of my personality, and you've been supportive about that, but also interested in that in your life before knowing me. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't really say that is the same situation. But... I will actually say quite possibly it is because I used to consider myself an artist, like a fine artist. And more or less after I transitioned, that kind of all just drained out of me. I don't really feel like this drive, this creative need to paint anymore. I still do photography and my day job is as a graphic designer, but Yeah, I was gonna say you it's not the same thing. You do thing. stuff for a career. It's not the same thing. You paint because it feels bad when you don't. But I don't have that anymore. It used to feel like that for me, but I don't have that anymore. And so I, I don't know if making art is something I feel a, a deep, passionate, needed for anymore or, or can even really count as part of my identity because I haven't done it in years. But I'm still so passionate and excited by your artwork and your passion for it, it occurs to me that it's not something that I can really, that drive to create art is not something that I can really identify with anymore. All of my art was about transitioning. All of my art was about this deep dissatisfaction internally. Now that that deep dissatisfaction is satisfied, is gone, I don't feel the need to put it into art anymore. And I guess I still do have that drive myself. Mm -hmm. As weird as it is, it's like art is my religion in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's It's my way of finding solace and peacefulness and growth. Even if you don't think of it that way, it's your spiritual practice. Yes, yeah. I do think it helps me grow, mm -hmm. and I do think it helps me connect with others. A lot of the same 
reasons that people seek spiritual community Mm -hmm. and spiritual understanding. That's kind of my way of finding it myself. And you've always been supportive of it from day one, so. I really like your art. Part of your spiritual practice is finding community and enjoying your queerness, then we thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And if you'd like to be a part of it, ask us a question, suggest a topic, you can email us, ohheycurie at gmail.com. You can tag me on Twitter at ohheycurie and be a part of the conversation, be a part of the community. And there's tons of people who will encourage you and love you for who you are and engage with your passion, learn from your experience, and that's what we're all here to do. So we thank you for being part of that community and enjoying those benefits with us, and we will talk to you next time. Until then, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes, and leave us a five-star rating, and even a nice review would be great. Love you all. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.